All right, joining us now on the Benin Skin Show, it is former agent Joel Corey. Uh, he's an NFL contracts and salary cap expert and writer, and uh, you can check him out on CBS Sports. A real pleasure to have him on. How are you doing today, Joel? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. How are you guys doing? Hey, we're great, man. Uh, we had Jerry on the show earlier. We are knee-deep in, in talking about all this Ezekiel Elliott stuff, and you wrote a fantastic article uh, on CBS Sports, and I feel like you have an extremely unique perspective since you are a former agent. So I tweeted that out yesterday, but uh, just reset for us. Where are you and, and where should everyone else be in terms of looking at Ezekiel's uh, contract situation? Well, as far as I'm concerned, Dallas shouldn't get too hung up on whether he becomes the highest paid running back or not because how that's measured is the most meaningless aspect of the contract, average yearly salary. That would be important if he had a fully guaranteed contract, but Kirk Cousins is the only uh, lucrative veteran contract that is fully guaranteed. So to me, I think the Cowboys should go back to their original position, which to me was surprising that at the Combine, Stephen Jones would concede Todd Gurley's deal would be the starting point. Make him the highest-paid guy, but you don't give him the player-friendly structure of Todd Gurley. You don't have to set the market in the other metrics. Most agents, well, maybe not most, but a majority of agents look at form over substance. So you give them something where they can sell highest-paid guy or richest contract at a position, then they're usually okay with it. But the Cowboys could win the battle, as far as I'm concerned, by holding the line in terms of how the guarantees vest, how the cash flow is. And to me, that's my proposal or my suggestion to end the stalemate. All right. So, Joel, I, I have big problems with the way we even talk about these things in the first place because it's, it's also disingenuous. You kind of mentioned the idea of, give the agent something that's not even really substantive for him to pound his chest over. And I feel like that, do, I feel like a lot of these players don't even understand the contracts they're signing from the, the, the standpoint of what they actually get. Like if a guaranteed money is what you're going to get. And as long as the player understands that, they don't walk away from the contract thinking they got screwed over. Do, do our agents really doing a good enough job conveying to the players what the reality of the contract is? Or is it really just a dog and pony show to say, I got the highest number for my client? Oh, there's some very good agents who do do an excellent job of explaining everything in detail to their players. There's some where they do look at the dog and pony show. But when I say uh, you don't have to set the mark in terms of guarantees, I'm not saying you do it like Colin Kaepernick's deal a few years ago where – he had like 13 million fully guaranteed at signing, and Tony Romo and Jay Cutler had close to 40. I don't mean anything like that. Right. I mean you don't get to the girly level, but you're still in the top three in the other categories. But you're not setting the market, which seems to be a concern of Stephen Jones. Um, the thing is that some players basically entrust their agent to do everything. Where it's like I hired you, you tell me what I should sign. There are others, and I prefer to work with these types of guys that want to be involved in the process, want to be informed. There's a fine line between being informed and the guys who would try to micromanage something, which is what Peyton Manning did when the Colts let him go. That can be hindrance in the process, but I really didn't like having the client who was like, tell me when it's done. Right. We're talking to Joel Corey, former agent, current writer for CBS Sports. Awesome article on all this, and you broke down the Gurley deal, the Le'Veon Bell deal, the David Johnson deal, and 
I was surprised. There were so many moving numbers. There's the signing bonus, the three-year cash flow, the first three years, uh, the average per year, the fully guaranteed, total guarantee. But when you really broke it down, the max value of Gurley's deal is $15 million per year because of salary escalators. The max value of Bell's deal is 15 and some change because of incentives and salary escalators. The max value of Johnson's deal is $15 million per year because of incentives. So seeing that the, all these deals are really somewhat similar, why is this such a difficult negotiation with Zeke? Um, it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be that difficult negotiation. Part of the problem is when Stephen Jones at the Combine said, Gurley's the starting point, you set an expectation with the agent. Okay, this can be an easy negotiation because we think he should be the highest paid guy. Now that you've walked that back, and to me it's a little curious that they're going to hold the line on making uh, or want to hold the line on Ezekiel Elliott being the highest paid guy when they've done that for their other first-round picks that were drafted recently or under the rookie wage scale, the three offensive linemen, Tyron Smith, Travis Frederick, both of whom got contracts at the same point as Eco Elliott is right now in his contract, and Zach Martin. They made all three of those guys the highest paid at their respective positions. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott's comparable in what he does compared to what they do. So I don't know why there's really a big issue, particularly since it's the most meaningless aspect of the contract. He's not going to play out the whole contract the way you're running him into the ground anyway. Right. So, so then uh, do you have a, a feel about what that guaranteed number is? Are you purely speculating? I know there's stuff out there on the, the rumor mill, but do you have a good feel about what they're doing with the guarantees with Zeke? Well, I would imagine the first two years have to be at least fully guaranteed at signing, meaning 19 and 20, whatever, whatever they have in that amount. What they've done in some contracts like uh, DeMarcus Lawrence's, the third year guarantee vested to be in the second year. I wouldn't do that with the running back that's had heavy usage because you never know when everything is going to fall off a cliff because Tennessee extended Chris Johnson several years ago after three years. <laughs> he didn't play any of the new years of the extension because everything went south for him. Uh, so I'd have the third-year guarantee vest. It'll be injury guaranteed at signing. The full guarantee kicks in when that year comes up. Same with any guarantee in the fourth year. Um, you had uh, – Zach Martin, deal average is $14 million per year. There's $40 million overall guarantees. Tyron Smith had $40 million overall guarantees on a deal averaging $12.2 million. That's the extension average. Then you're going to have to have $40 million in overall guarantees, not fully guaranteed at signing, but overall guarantees at a minimum for Ezekiel Elliott. God, man, this is, this is crazy that we're getting this in-depth into this, this contract stuff, but it's the, it's the biggest story going for the Cowboys. And we're talking to Joel Corey, former agent, I uh, wrote a great piece for CBS Sports uh, uh, about this. And you know, I'd love to get your perspective on Marshall Falk because, uh, you know, wh what we understand is Marshall Falk's best friends with Rock Rocky Arsenault, who is Zeke's agent. Rocky Arsenault was Marshall Falk's agent. Well, since Marshall Falk has kind of left the media business, we were told he sat for the agent's exam and he's partners in this and really good, you know, is, is, a, is a part of the agency for Arsenault. But we don't know that for sure. So we're trying to figure all that out. And then, Meanwhile, Marshall Falk is going on sports shows talking about how Dak could be a bum after he gets paid. And then he's talking about Jalen Smith's contract. Can't believe they paid him. But he's then going to work out with Zeke in Cabo. So as a former agent, uh, you know, you, you wouldn't let something like this happen with Joel Corey's uh, former client and best friend, maybe partner of the agency, being the mouthpiece for your negotiation, I would think. So what do you make of Marshall Falk and all this? I blame the Cowboys for 
anything coming out from Ezekiel Elliott's side because the Cowboys have diarrhea of the mouth on a lot of stuff. So if you want to negotiate in public, expect the other side to say something back in return. Um, Personally, I did not like to have public negotiations. I wanted to keep everything private. But once things went public, if there was information out there that needed to be dispelled, I would do it. I I get where Ezekiel Elliott would not be crazy about Jalen Smith getting paid because you didn't have to do it now. Some teams do that where they'll send a message to the holdout by getting somebody done because he was going to be a restricted free agent uh, next year. There was, there was no urgency to get the deal done. I remember, I think, um, Des Bryant, I forget who got done, but some of them got done before he did, and he wasn't exactly happy about that. Tyron, um, maybe it was Tyron Smith. Because um, he, he, had, he, he had only played three years. So that's kind of a natural tendency uh, sometimes. That If you think you should be someplace in the totem pole, if someone else leapfrogs you, then, um, yeah, you, you might be a little upset. The Rams did it last year. Todd Gurley got done while Aaron Donald was holding out. And to me, you didn't have to do Todd Gurley either because the market was not even $8.5 million last year, and they just totally reset it. And that's, okay. well, that's a me, bigger hold, problem than anything else, that deal. But let me ask you, Joel, hold on. Zeke is under contract for two more years, so why does he step up ahead of Jalen, for example? He's just holding out on his contract. Yeah, you've established the precedent that you're going to do first-round picks with two years left on their contract. So you can't say, well – we don't have to do you. You did it for Tyron Smith. You did it for Travis Frederick. If you hadn't done those, then I would buy that a little bit more. But when you have someone who's, a, who's going to be a restricted free agent, you could have tendered him about $4.5 million next year. Then he would have been a UFA or you put a tag on him the following year. So he's a little bit different to me because – he technically he is in a contract year in one respect because it is a sports in the contract expiring, but he wasn't going to hit unrestricted free agency. And you can, you could control his rights again next year. Yeah. Okay. That's a great answer. Joel Corey joining us on the Ben and Skin Show 105.3. The fan. I want to also do. Do you perceive the? Uh, I love the phrase diarrhea of the mouth. <laughs> do you perceive that being when it it got out that the Cowboys had offered a deal to make him one of the top three highest-paid running backs in football? Or what, were, what was the thing in your perception that got out there about Zeke that was the Cowboys putting it out there? Most of it, because <laughs> I don't think Zeke Ellick's side is going to be championing, hey, they offered to make him the second highest-paid guy because he wants to be the highest-paid guy. That's, the, that's something the team would put out to try to garner support for where their offer is. And in, in most holdout situations – the public is going to back the team anyway because they think a player who's turning down lucrative money, particularly in a, in a holdout situation, is being greedy. And if they were in his shoes, since they view it as a game, not a job, they would think, okay, I would take, I'd take that type of offer. But when you're in those situations, you want to get what you feel is your market value. So, but but it's, a, it's a move that teams typically do when they're trying to garner public support for their position. We're talking to former agent Joel Corey, currently writer for CBS Sports. I just retweeted the article you wrote. I think it's fantastic. And before we move on, we want to ask you a question about Dak. But before we move on, how do you, with all your expertise and experience, see this playing out from this point between Zeke and the Cowboys? Well, today's pessimism can become tomorrow's optimism because, as Stephen Jones said, things can change in a hurry. Um, Somebody's got to blink at some point. Uh, on this thing. I didn't think there was a realistic chance that Ezekiel Elliott would miss any regular season games, 
but um, that wouldn't surprise me now. Uh, the thing is, the schedule's set up for the Cowboys to go 3-0. and If you lose any of those first three games because they're bad teams you're playing, I know two are division rivals, that's going to help Ezekiel Elliott. It doesn't necessarily hurt him if you go 3-0 and because you're supposed to go 3-0 and against bad teams. Now, the interesting thing to me is you're going to get a better barometer if he sits out the first three games of what Dak Prescott is. Last year, season finale, no Dak, no Ezekiel Elliott, Dak was great. So if Dak plays like he did in the Giants game last year, the first three games, that only helps his cause. If the offense sputters and Dak doesn't look good, then maybe the second thoughts is about the money he's asking for and whether he really should be getting top dollar as a quarterback. That's great stuff. Joel, we appreciate your time. You're always a great guest. Uh, have a great weekend. We'll talk to you soon. Oh, you too. Thanks for having me. Definitely go to uh, Ben's Twitter account, at Ben Rogers, and check out the article that he wrote that we were just talking about. It's really good stuff.